0: Welcome to Art Talk with April. I'm April Harris of Inked April and the host of this podcast. This is season four. We have some amazing artists on. I can't wait to share them with you. So let's get started. Hi everyone, today we have Tracy Ingham, realism painter who is practicing in oils and acrylics and watercolors and more. So welcome to the show, Tracy, and let's just get right into it. Well, I gotta say, I I am really interested in talking with you today because... So I watched some of your videos. I watched more recent, you know, the video where you're talking about the glazes. Yeah. And, um, you know, what a glaze is and isn't. And then um, you you do oil painting and acrylics Mm -hmm. and watercolor. Yeah, And I noticed that with your oil paintings, It's very detailed, right? And then your your acrylics, you're being looser and doing more texture kind of things. And then with your watercolor, I you didn't have, I think, the like the instruction behind watercolor as much. No. And so you were like when you were I watched the one where you were doing a tree it was just a tree trunk
1: yep
0: and i was like okay cuz i love trees i love painting trees i i just okay. love the texture of trees and so um and you were doing that and you're you're like i don't know if this is the way you're supposed to do it but this is the way that i do it yeah and so with your glazing video that's kind of how i feel about it like I'm like, I don't know what this is called. I don't know what I'm doing here. What is the difference? I don't know if this is glazing or not. (laughs) Well, and
1: and that started with a video I watched, and this person was going on, and he's like, "This, I'm glazing," and then he goes, "Now, wait, we're going to wipe this off, and look how beautiful this is." And and right away, the little voice in my head went, "That's not glazing. That's staining. You glaze." (laughs) Well, it's, it's okay, it kind of be like, best way to describe it is a glazed donut. You know, yeah. when you pour the sugary glaze over a donut. Okay, now wipe it off. It's not a glazed donut anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a frosted donut. Yeah, <laughs> That's exactly the same thing for art, is um, it is, uh, the, it becomes a stain when you wipe it off. And then there's the whole wash thing. I was going to do one on too, which is, because um, I see a lot of people talk about washes. Well, a wash is only the first thin layer you put on. Mm. Watercolor does it a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you
1: yeah. put a wash on the paper to to change the color. Yeah, you know, washes soak in. Yeah. Blazes don't. See, that's the big difference. Um, so it's it's like, want to explain? And it for me, it's it's always been. Um, I think we lose a lot. Of what art is mm-hmm. when we lose the terminologies and most of these terminologies have been with us for hundreds of years you oh, know sure. I mean, you know da vinci on down yeah and because i know i've used the term wash uh when i when i take a large oil and i'll retint the sky for instance
0: yeah
1: and i'll call oh, i'm gonna put a wash over this sky well it's not it's it's a glaze but um, you just for sake of talking, you know, I'm going to wash over this. And uh, so we get into it, it just I think the terminologies are important for all the artists out there uh, to keep up the tradition of of what we're doing. You know, and I, and I just it just feels like if we if we start losing that, we're losing part of our history and, you know, generations from now. You know two three generations down the road we're going to end up with people who are artists but they're not sure why they're artists or it's been simplified so much that there's nobody's actually had to put the effort in anymore you know it's it how easy is it when you don't have to learn about what you're doing you just do it mm-hmm. you know i mean it, if you're an auto mechanic well You can go in and you can open the hood and you can start working on things. Well, you know, you you take a part and you take it to the uh, parts store and you go, I need one of these. I don't know what it's called, but I need one of these. (laughs) And pretty soon you've got somebody who's got a whole basket of parts going, I need all of these. You have no idea what they do or what they're called, but you need them. Yeah. It's the same way for art is you know, it's like, well, you know, to try to explain to somebody, how do you do this? Mm. Well, I take my brush and I do this. Okay. What's that called? (laughs) You
0: know, Mm. you know, there are artists out there that kind of study under master still (laughs) and that kind of thing, apprenticeships. But I think it's, I don't know, I think it's more rare, you know, especially with like, The internet and everything Mm -hmm. and people just snapping pictures of their art and posting it and things like that
1: and youtube
0: yeah yeah
1: again i'm i'm 50 ish um but doing it from an older viewpoint Mm -hmm. and because i i have i've and i've known some amazing artists some Mm -hmm. the country's best um i've never had an art teacher that i cared for but i have sat down and talked to some brilliant people.
0: Yeah. And
1: you know how it is. We'll, we'll sit down, you have coffee or, or wine or beer or whatever, and you can talk for hours and you exchange ideas on techniques and how somebody's doing this and that. And you, or you go to their shows and you, you know, you're four or five inches from one of their pieces. And then you're like, how did you get this? And an artist will be thrilled to tell you, you know, how they got that certain technique or that certain sure. texture. And that's where a lot of what I did was talk to them, come back, and then use or experiment with what they told me.
0: Yeah.
1: And so that was um, uh, that was 90% of how I learned everything. Because mm. uh, I'm I'm self-taught for most part. I have a friend, a couple friends on here. Um, you you've visited with one, Dan Tipton. Yeah, yeah. He's He's been a big, I, uh, him and I found each other online about two years ago, uh, him and Nick Motter, okay. um, Minnesota artist. And it's because of them, I started loosening my style mm. and started with the acrylic in it. Um, and Nick Motter was the biggest ex- influence in my switching to watercolors because I'd watched him do it.
0: Yeah.
1: And I'm like, you know, I think I want to try that.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so I did. But I applied my acrylic and oil techniques to watercolors. Yeah. <laughs> That's why my stuff looks a little different.
0: Yeah.
1: With Dan, mm-hmm. it was, you know, I watched him very loosely do stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was, he he was having more fun with that than I was with my techniques of real tight oils. And so I just I went hey I'm going to try that and I did quite a few videos on the little one hour paintings where it was like okay I'm going to do a horse I'm going to do this or that it's going to take me an hour yeah and and that's how I loosened up my style was that forcing myself to work very quickly
0: wow okay
1: the acrylics have been and been wonderful for me um I love I've, I've got a a new big piece, the biggest acrylic piece I've done yet that should be done this weekend. Um, I call it Sadie Hawkins because we oh. went to, we did a, we do Western photo shoots in Kansas. Yeah, That's where my material comes from. I'm not one to pose people in in photos. I, mm-hmm. I'd much rather wander around and take pictures, you know, just quietly. Yeah. <laughs> and so there were three guys up on the balcony of the hotel Which, by the way, they built an entire main street in this on this property. Wow! And so there were three people up on three guys up on the balcony, and all the women were down below, and everybody was just having fun. And I took some pictures, and I'm like, this. So there's, I got seven or eight women on horses down below the hotel with three men up on the balcony. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like that's all I could think of was the old Sadie Hawkins day dance (laughs) thing so that's why I call it that but uh, and then I've got an oil to finish and another watercolor to finish and then uh my son and I are gonna I'm gonna walk away from 2d for a little bit so my son and I can do some 3d work
0: oh okay so I sculpture and that kind of thing or yeah
1: we we have one concrete metal welding piece um drawn out we're going to do wow. and then we've got some metal sculpture pieces we're going to work on and uh we're uh so i have this exhibit
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, of the 40 western pieces i don't know if you're familiar with that
0: yeah
1: and so now we're going to try and do some pieces that take up floor space to oh. to complement the exhibit that's yeah, what we're doing. Yeah. so
0: wow I mean, like, so I myself am an artist who is very detailed and very, I guess like, like tight and Mm -hmm. you know, very, very caught up in the detail. And that's one of those things that I've often wondered about is, you know, and I mean, I guess there's a place for all different types of art, right? It's like you're kind of wanting to find whether or not you're going to do something very detailed or if you're going to do something very loose. And so you're setting these boundaries around it to try to get yourself to do it that way, right? Yeah. It's, that's just so fascinating to me because that's one of those things I thought a lot of artists say, you know what, well, I, I need to loosen up. I need to loosen up. And I'm thinking, do I need to loosen up? Is that what's wrong? Like I need to change this and loosen up. <laughs> and like, okay, do I need to try that? <laughs> like what made you feel like you needed to, you know, experiment with that?
1: Okay, so Iowa is notorious for for our winters. And Mother Nature had part of a hand in this yeah. because uh oil paints do not dry in ultra dry climates mm. oil, oil paint takes longer to dry i I've, yeah. I've taught this for years so if you get down on the Gulf, oil paints dry fairly quickly yeah because of the high humidity high air pressure stuff Now when you get into Iowa Minnesota we were you know we have these months-long winters and humidity is near zero, oil paint takes forever to dry I mean I can go, I can paint something today in the middle of January that two weeks later is still gonna be wet. Wow. now that same that same thing in July when it's raining out, three days, max and it's yeah. dry. And so I got to this point where it's like I want to be able to paint in the winter and I have so many ideas. Um, and I I didn't want to be held up because I don't want five six oil paintings sitting around yeah so I, I went and I got the acrylics. And as you you know as, as you were saying, um for me, the tight and the loose and whatnot is based on the medium I'm using. Um, mm. that's for me in my own head, how I know the difference.
0: yeah.
1: but uh, so that's what I did. I went to the acrylics because they're a winter paint, a more friendly winter paint for me than oils are. So, uh, and then watercolors are a convenience for me i can come into my studio i've got uh what is it third i'm trying to think out what my studio space is here um it's like 40 foot by uh, 20 and um but it's i can come in here and pick up watercolors and spend 20 minutes put the brushes down walk away i don't have any cleanup i don't have any mess anything like that yeah
0: yeah um,
1: but Anyway, back to the the whole loose. For me, it's it's based on mediums.
0: Yeah. So I mean, it, it it's, but I mean, you could do the acrylics really tight and detailed mm-hmm. if you wanted to.
1: Yeah, can.
0: But you're choosing to do it really lit loose and textured, so you're just like just trying to separate. The mediums by doing it differently, I guess. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It's it's a different mindset. So when the acrylics come out and the palette knives come out, and I don't do palette knives with oils, sure. Uh, when that all comes out, I kind of go more primal with palette knives mm. than I do because the moment I get those fine brushes in my hand, my brain triggers.
0: Yeah. And
1: now I'm now I'm you know twelve inches from my canvas. Mm. where when it's acrylics and it's pallet knives and the bigger brushes, because I don't use the small brushes with acrylics, yeah. you know, and arm's length away. And that's where the looseness comes in
0: mm.
1: is it's, it's, you know, it's not so much, this may sound a little weird. It's not so much the fine motor skills of the fingers anymore, but it's the motor skills from the shoulder down. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's the whole movement now yeah. that I, I'm doing. Where if I get that little tiny brush that's got them four or five hairs in it you know what I'm talking about right
0: I do I really do <laughs> yeah You're, I'm your obsessed with the detail stuff I'm like I feel like I need to let this go like I am getting really because like I have friends who are artists that are all about color like they're just yeah. very bright and colorful and they're you know, they do s- just sweeping lines of paint and and don't even think about the detail part of it. And here I am taking these paintings and I'm like, you know, just I've got the tiniest, smallest little and I'm just doing everything just so, you know, yeah. look at man, I've, I'm like, ah, is this is this what I should be doing? <laughs> <laughs> so when I saw when I saw that acrylic video and you were doing like a buffalo and you were doing the palette knives and I was like, okay, this is so different from his oil stuff. And I'm thinking, I you know, like I I get the oil stuff, I get it, I'm there, I'm with you. But then when you switch to the acrylics and you're being looser intentionally, I was mm-hmm. like, why? Why is he doing it? yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's just because in my in my artist's mind, that's one of the things that I've been asking myself lately. It's like, okay, what what's the point? Why am I doing all these tiny little bit details? Does anyone even notice the little details or you know, and it's time consuming,
1: yes, it is. It's very time consuming. And you're, and, and to answer your question from my perspective, yeah, everybody noticed the details because that, that was what I got caught up in early on in my career is I wanted people, the closer they get, to see more and more detail. Mm,
0: okay. yes.
1: So from, from six feet away, there was detail, and from four feet and then two feet, and, oh. you know, it just kept. And then I, I kind of, it's still something with my oils that i work at but you know with the acrylics it's when you have a gallery show and people are walking by everybody's six eight feet away from a piece you know that's they don't really get any closer than that um you'll get a few that lean in and look for detail and stuff but it's i understand there's a place for detail and there's a place to not have detail and like i still do i i think you may have seen uh i do these little did these little eight by ten military pieces oil paintings and those yeah those are genuinely eight by ten originals and extremely detailed for the purpose of you know i wanted these really detailed miniatures and i've also done the bigger military pieces i think the biggest i've got is almost like three foot by four foot
0: yeah
1: but I don't know. I'm, I'm for me. I'm kind of losing the importance of the detail. Mm. Um, the older I get, the more I'm interested in sharing the idea mm. more than I am, um, I more than I am the technique. You know, maybe that's part of what it is. Um, you know, if you're gonna take 180 hours to do a 12 inch by 12 inch flower. People are impressed by the detail. Everybody's, but I think those pieces lack emotion. Mm -hmm. I think they're relying solely on impressing people with the amount of detail you put into it. Mm -hmm. And the bigger Western pieces I'm doing now get a much better reaction emotionally from people Than my detailed work did, and that's that's where I'm I'm learning. Even now at this point, I'm affecting people more with the looser style. Yeah, Yeah, you're impressing people on different levels with different things.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, and I think when you're when you're talking about this, I'm I'm thinking about Dan's work is very much like very expressive and loose, and he'll use that term loose. Yep. I'm like, is that Dan? Do I need to do that? <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, I need to reach out and be like, are you telling me that this is what I need to be doing?
1: <laughs> the easiest way to do it, I, in all seriousness, the easiest way to loosen up your style is just to step back from your canvas or whatever you're painting on. Yeah. Um, put it up, and instead of being you know, again, six to directly. 12
0: inches. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Step back. And you will find out, it's it's not going to take you really long to figure out. You're still putting the detail in, mm-hmm. but the detail is now from that arm's length away,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and that's, it took me a, while, a long time to learn that. And Dan helped me uh, with that. You know, over the last two years, watching his stuff and watching yeah. him work, and so I again, I always say those are my two best friends online, <laughs> um, and it, it is. And then there there was um, a young woman that did the same thing, and she was doing the, the looser stuff. I don't, I haven't seen her in a while, uh, so I don't know if she's even still out there creating art. Uh, but I, I I picked him up from different people and. I'm having a blast. I'm having absolutely the best time I have ever had painting um, with a mix of the three mediums I use.
0: Yeah,
1: it's, it's just such. I because it's becoming very very emotional for me. Mm. Um, my my work is always based on how I'm feeling, mm. and so if I'm if I've got. If I'm not feeling like I really want to do a lot today, I can do watercolors. And if I I feel like, you know, I'm just in a mood to throw paint, I can get the palette knives and the acrylics going. (laughs) And and if I'm in one of those really quiet, pensive moods where I just want to play some music and be left alone, (laughs) I can work, get the oils out. (laughs) So it's very much just mood-based for me anymore.
0: Wow. Oh, that's fascinating. I just, you know... I, and that's that's another thing that I've um, like through different interviews with different artists have talked to them about, you know, basically why we're choosing the mediums that we do or the the size that we do or the subject matter and that kind of thing. And I see a lot of artists, you know, choosing, you know based on things like mood or capability, mm-hmm. like they, you know, they can't physically do a large piece or they, you know, want to get really detailed into a smaller piece or something like that. And um, that's what, you know, kind of steers their direction and what they're doing. And so I've recently been doing a lot of digital art and on my iPad and you're de- you, you you get detail. You're, you're, you're gonna get what I'm saying here, but I can zoom in. Yeah. do <laughs> the pi- pixels. <laughs> and it has become, I, th- I think it's bad. I think it's bad to do that. Because it's <laughs> like, I mean, like hyper real, you know, like it's like way closer than my actual eyes could get to like some paper or canvas, yep. you know. And so I'm even going further into the detail than I would have if I were doing traditional. So Man, that's just one of those things I really wanted to talk to you about. (laughs) So I appreciate you giving me your opinion on it, because that's just, you know, one of those things that I was um, stuck in myself. So um, I really wanted to kind of go back a little bit. So how did you get started in painting
1: in in creating i i've been an artist since i drew my first breath Mm. Uh, i don't remember a time when i wasn't i uh i ended up i made money put myself bought my own school clothes and everything when i was 16 years old i used to go and uh, cut this way back um we gather wood for winter out, out on the farm and I would cut slabs of trees yeah. and I would do little farmhouse paintings on these slabs of trees
0: oh okay
1: and that's how I got my start and I I remember vividly 10 11 years old and I would walk down to the, the library and I would get book art books mm-hmm. and I would sit and I with a magnifying glass and I would study the paintings <laughs> yeah of these. do you remember I don't know if you remember them or if you've seen them or the old-fashioned big art books where a page would be a Rembrandt or a Vermeer. Sure, sure. You know, they were just these amazing books. Yeah. And so I would sit and I would look at these and I would figure out, that's how I figured out tones and hues and values. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to sit there and look at Vermeer and go, okay, so he lightened as he came out. He did this, and he did that. And I could see the yeah. brush strokes in in Rembrandt. And it's like, okay, um and then I always give credit to uh, all the old masters, um, but because I always say they were my greatest teachers. Mm. you know, just watching them and or you know looking at their works, yeah, sure. And then i I ended up getting. I just I kind of got lucky. Um, I got into a few galleries as a kid, local galleries, had a few pieces hanging. And, you know, I'd get $100 or $150 on a painting and um, barn doors. Oh, my God. I, I got into the habit of painting on barn doors when I was <laughs> 17, 18 years old.
0: Wow.
1: Ran around the country collecting barn doors off. These old <sighs> barns were being tore down.
0: Wow.
1: And those ended up, I I'd, I'd get three, four hundred dollars for those.
0: Yeah.
1: And I mean, to be a you know, 17-year-old artist making three, four hundred dollars a barn door, and all I was doing was painting barns on a barn door. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> pretty simple, wasn't hard, you yeah. <laughs> know. And it it got to the point, you know, I could walk into um somebody's place and lo and hold, there'd be this. 4 foot tall by 3 foot wide barn door hanging on their wall and it just kind of fueled everything i was doing wow and then i i i i went out into the world and i had a real estate license and i've been a carpenter for i was a carpenter for 32 years on and off and i did tried to do everything but art because <laughs> i don't know if you've ever had that feeling where you're doing something and you're like i don't want to do this Mm. But it's it's not what you do; it's who you are, and that's for me. That's always been the thing: is art is it's who I am. It's
0: yeah.
1: I always tell. I always have this real quick little story I'll share. Sure. And, uh, I've told it for years. So, a guy struggling to be an artist, he dies.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Next thing you know, he's, he's sitting on a around a pond in heaven, mm-hmm. and he's fishing. But I always have this vision of God and one of the angels coming up, going, "Hey, we're we're gonna send you back. We're gonna, you know, we're, you're gonna be reincarnated." And the guy goes, "So I'm gonna get to be an artist again?" God goes, "No, no, we're sending you back to be a doctor this time." And the guy goes, "No, I'd rather not. Thank you very much. I, I think I'll stay here." And, and so he t- tries to talk to him in. Well, are you sure? Because we. You're going to go be a doctor. You're going to save people. Yeah, but I'm not going to be an artist. So if you don't mind, I think I'd rather stay here. And this is a whole story in my head where, you know, as God's walking away and the angel's walking with him, the guy goes, uh, or the angel looks at God and goes, maybe you should have told him he's the man that cures cancer. And God looks at the angel and goes, "Nah, wouldn't have made any difference. He's an artist. <laughs> And that's the story I've told (laughs) her. That's my perception of an artist is doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You're an artist, you know, and that's the way I felt my whole life.
0: Mm. So that is a really, that's a, that's a good perspective, a good story that kind of, first of all, just calling yourself an artist Like some people being able to say, I'm an artist, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a whole thing because artists are, I don't know, magical beings. I don't know. (laughs) But then they're like, okay, I'm an artist, but they aren't selling their work or they're not in a gallery or they're not famous, you know, Um, they're not in the big museums or whatever. And so maybe I'm not an artist, you know, I'm going to go be an accountant over here and give it up. But meanwhile, they're always thinking about like making art, you know, like every day, day to day stuff. Then 30 years goes by and they get into, you know, they find their art in the attic. Oh, you know, I should really. should really try that again and you know and they start doing it all over again but the whole time they were an artist there wasn't a point where they weren't and they were an accountant or they were something else you know so i mean that's basically like what your story is kind of saying
1: oh yeah and some of the greatest artists (laughs) i've ever met oh i autobody guys yeah oh holy you know those guys are absolute magicians and artists and I watched them do some amazing stuff with um you know rebuilding cars and and body forming and yeah. or uh, the woodworkers I mean you've okay. seen them some of the woodworkers are pure artists you know From oh,
0: Absolutely
1: you know you can see it in their souls these are artists <laughs> yeah. and it, it's it's for me you know it's it's been simplified that you know artists always applies to somebody who's putting paint on a canvas Mm -hmm. and i think that's really a very narrow concept of what an artist is i think there are people out there who are every bit an artist as anybody else um you know who are baking who like i said who are auto body work who are um building any whatever they're building they're all these amazing creative people Mm -hmm. um but the only people that get talked about are the ones who put paintings on a wall for people to walk around and look at. I mean, you've probably seen some amazing architecture, Yeah. you know, some of those old Southern homes. Holy cow. (laughs) You know, with all the the little fretwork and the carvings and all the stuff on them, you're like, you know, those are craftspeople, but those are also artists. I mean, true artists. Absolutely. That's
0: one of those things that really, I think, It's kind of a soapbox for me personally is like, you know, you can just because you're not doing oil paintings and they're not hanging in a gallery somewhere or something like that. That doesn't mean that what you're doing isn't art.
1: I was always told there's there's in this world, you can be one of three things. First, great or different. Now. Chances are none of us are going to be first anymore. Very few of us that are ever going to be really great at anything, or we can be different, you know? Because I was always told, you know, I said, well, people remember you if you're good at something. Or um, there was a difference in the three because, you know, in in order to become an icon, you had to be good. You had to meet all three of them criteria. You had to be first, great, and different. And, you know, like. I'm
0: writing this down, Tracy. (laughs) I'm writing this down. (laughs) You know, like you have like
1: Elvis, (laughs) Elvis, Elvis was first great and different, right? Yeah. Okay. And then you have uh, uh, Michael Jordan, first great and different. And so when you look back, you see all these icons of our our history, and they all met them three criteria. Mm -hmm. And then you go down one, you go, okay, well, who, who were two of those things? And you can find somebody that you can think of who was Two of those three things yeah you know they were really good or they were first or they were this or that and so that's what i keep telling my i've told my children is you know if you want to you want to make a name for yourself you got to be first great or different one of those three you know if you can get two great if you can get all three better than i am <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, really. That seems like, uh, especially the first thing, like being first at something just seems completely impossible at this point. So that's pretty amazing in itself.
1: (laughs) The national watercolor society just rejected two of my pieces and, and I'm fine with that. Um, they have a a eight by eight show each, each piece could only be eight inches by eight inches. And it was for an ex, uh, the, an exchange with the Royal Watercolor Society in Scotland.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: My dream was to get one piece in in the Scottish exhibit. You know, that's That's (laughs) really cool. Um, But I, again, I, my watercolors are, I just picked them up last October. So I'm not even, I'm just like 10 months into watercolors. Sure. And I'm like, I, you know, I don't think my watercolors are quite ready for the international stage. And I don't know if they ever will be, but I, I have fun entering them. Um, I have a piece going up to Wisconsin next month for a, a national watercolor show. And I had one down in Texas uh, what, four or five months ago. And so it was, it, it's kind of that validation, just mm-hmm. getting a couple watercolors in. It's like, OK, I'm not doing everything right, but I'm doing some things right. I'm doing enough right to get them yeah. in.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did the same thing with watercolor actually. So I was like really into pen and ink. And so I was doing these extremely detailed pen and ink drawings at 24 by 36. So and then I would use like a point one to do the whole thing. And um just really absurd, right? And then I'm like, okay, I'm gonna try what. Watercolor and maybe add some pen and ink in there. And I didn't, so I didn't actually take a class or learn from anybody. I just picked it up and started doing things with it. And so when I watched your video on watercolor. I was like, okay, he, you know, you were like, I don't know if this is the way you do it. And I'm thinking, that's the exact way that I do it. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> but I mean, I, I learned on my own and that was just yeah. the way that I thought I would need to do it like with the highlights like not leaving the paper but going back and adding it later That's I what I don't know I do. what that is but I can't do it the other way like I don't think I can like make myself you know leave white paper where I think yeah. the highlight is going to be that's just like my mind can't work in that direction.
1: <laughs> my brain don't work there either it, <laughs> I tried it don't no I, I I go so I do I go back in and I put my highlights in like you do
0: yeah yeah
1: that white and yeah. as, as you know you gotta you gotta leave that fair that white fairly thick
0: to yeah, get it quite yeah. white
1: white yeah.
0: and so like the the watercolor paintings that are in these different um shows what were they of? What were your What was your subject matter?
1: Oh, my western, uh, my okay. watercolor westerns, um, cowboys, cowgirls. It's uh, it was just um, because the odd thing is the watercolors started out. Be I would do the watercolors first before I did the acrylics to make sure my compositions, my colors, and everything. Oh,
0: right. Okay. Yeah. So I do
1: these little watercolors, and then I got into the point, like I said, with time wise, where I'm like, well, I'm going to do these watercolors. And I was setting them aside, thinking, I'm going to do these much larger pieces." And instead, I ended up going, "I like the watercolors, yeah, They were kind of sort of standalone at that point. And then I got bigger. I don't know if you saw my the big street brawl one which I'm going back in and redoing a little bit. Um yeah. but I got like a twenty four by thirty. Of, of everybody fighting in the street. And that was the first one I think I've done that was intentionally meant to be a standalone piece with no intention of doing an oil or acrylic of it later. yeah, type thing. Um, and I, I think that's that's when my, my watercolors have, have kind of gone out on their own. And for me, for the first time, been a standalone medium instead of the precursor to becoming something else yeah you know, i don't i don't i'm not a sketcher so i don't sit down and i i do i sketch ideas but not to a refined detail um that you know i would work with how do i put it that way um so that's what my watercolors became so that i could physically see the colors mm. of the pieces i wanted to do and i've, I've had several and i've got quite a few around here that i haven't ever shown anybody because you know I, I did something in green and the original painting then came out to be more brown or more of a fall sure because it lacked the depth you know you can only stack so many greens in a painting before it flattens out but <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: you know it's <laughs> you've got a very color and so anyway, yeah, a lot of my uh, watercolors ended up being that um, until I just realized I can create with them on my own. You know, so that's where I'm at right now with them.
0: Are your watercolors more on the loose side?
1: Um, they were. The uh, backgrounds are.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but the the little, I kind of mad at myself a little bit because the. The, the eight by eights I did for the watercolor or National Watercolor Society um, were, in my opinion, way too tight. Mm. The, 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 it was just, um, I tried to fit too much into that eight by eight. And I'm I'm going to actually post videos on those coming up to show everybody what they were. Yeah, um, I would love to so see you that. Yeah, you'll be able to see what I'm talking about. They're just, I should have, loosened up on them and taken about half the time to do them, or at least loosened up my backgrounds and focused on my foregrounds. That would have it would have given them more of that watery feel and look, which is what I didn't do. Yeah. Uh, so a couple of those may get redone.
0: I don't know. We'll we'll see. Yeah. And so we, that's one thing that I think is um that I would like to try is is doing both. Like having Some areas that are the focal point and the detail, Mm -hmm. and other areas that are more loose and I don't know, just like paint thrown, you know, like um, much more just, but all in the same painting.
1: Yeah, and that's your that's the the three D of it. Um, That's something I try and get in all mine is for me. It's becoming more and more of a focus is to put my backgrounds in, but leave them that blurry, that non-focal point of the painting and then put the things in front of it Mm. so that it's, so you're kind of tricking the eye into, you know, notice this thing in front, forget everything behind it.
0: Yeah.
1: And then that creates that depth um, within the painting where people feel like it's more of a 3D effect. And that's what I've been trying to do a little bit more. Uh, But again, I'm one of those. It's easier to do bigger than it is smaller. You know know that. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what I'm like, you have what I feel like are more traditional subject matter. So it's kind of western and military and like that kind of jo- those genres like what brought you to that to do those types of art
1: well i've had um i've been through all genres i also did a renaissance period
0: oh yeah okay
1: where it was very heavily renaissance i was going to renfests and doing the same thing taking my camera and had some very nice pieces, uh, did a couple of shows with them. But it, I early on in my career, somebody, an old artist told me it was an artist's job to record history. Mm. that's always stuck with me. And the reference was, you know I was first cave paintings weren't done to make the cave pretty. They were done because they needed to tell somebody a story.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I got into looking at, you know, every war there's ever been had artists. I don't know if people even know it, but um, every war in human history had people sitting there who were painting and drawing and recording. That
0: makes sense. I never thought about it.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, you, you see these big paintings from the revolution.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: France, the 1600s, 1700s and all that. Somebody painted those. Mm -hmm. And they were painted to record the moment. Mm -hmm. And the wonderful thing about artists are we record things the way they're seen. I mean, we record them in all their wonderfulness, their terribleness, whatever. You know, we, I'd like to think anyway, most of us, don't go in and propagandize what -hmm. we're seeing. So, you know, like in in current times now, if you were to paint protests or or anything going on, what you're going to get is the artist's view of what's happening Mm -hmm. minus the personal opinion.
0: Mm.
1: See, that's, you know, and so that's always been my thing with art is I try so even going down and 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 doing the Western reenactments. I'm still trying to bring a piece of the 1800s forward and let people see. So one of the things I did with my wolves when I painted wolves was I always put a little small character. Uh, the one has a thirteen-striped squirrel. Another has a little bird in it. There, there's always a little character in it, and it's because wolves are not these big terrible creatures. They're just creatures living their life like the rest of us. Sure. And so they would have these interactions with these little creatures. They didn't try and eat everything that came across their path, you know. <laughs> uh, and that's the same way with history. For me, is when I paint the Western, uh, the one painting I have of Billy the Kid mm-hmm. done from the ground up,
0: yeah.
1: um. uh, it was to change the perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a perspective of the West. And I've got some coming up that are, some that are a lot better, some that are a little bit more disturbing. But, you know, it's to let people see that their perceptions of the West aren't exactly what they think they are. They were, some were harder, some were easier. You know, people had fun. It wasn't just this terribleness, you know, (laughs) people drank and partied and they had fun with all everything. (laughs) And so that's what I try and do in the current genre that i'm in is just that and and for me it's to give women an equal footing
0: Mm
1: um from my perspective yeah because it was very much as much as people you know the, the whole cowboy thing um i i my family i've been here in this country since 1639 my family has yeah and then my native side before that.
0: Yeah.
1: And my ancestry, I don't look like it. This does not look like it. Um, Sue from the Rosebud Reservation. Yeah. Okay. Sick. And I, I grew up in a matriarchal family, not patriarchal. So grandmothers always had the power. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> crossed grandma. That was grandpa didn't cross grandma. That's the way it worked. <laughs> and so I'm also trying to bring that. So there's there's more women in my Western pieces than you're gonna see a lot of people do mm-hmm. uh, because women played a lot bigger role in the West than what history's recorded everybody has. You know? mm-hmm. So when we go down and we do the re- re- reenactments and we shoot the photograph, um, yeah, it's the women on horseback, the women roping cattle, it's women in the gunfights, it's the whole, you know, across the whole spectrum. Sure. And that was something I wanted to do when we started. So uh, yeah, I don't I don't know where you know how long I'll be doing the Western. I'm hoping for a few more years. Um, I have a dream of getting invited to the Charles Russell auction and sale at some point in time. But (laughs) man, that's a big. I might might as well dream about climbing uh, Mount Everest. Oh no. (laughs) The Charles Russell uh, is a big the CM Russell, yeah, uh, show and sale. If yeah, if you don't know what that is, uh, I don't, is,
0: but I'm gonna look it up.
1: <laughs> that the CM Russell, yeah, it's that's a monster. Uh that's a big honor just to be invited. Wow. I will definitely be the bridesmaid for that one. With <laughs> <laughs> gladly.
0: So when you were talking about your your westards, um I'm immediately thinking about, and this is just me maybe being my age or something, but I'm thinking of like Deadwood, Mm -hmm. HBO TV show and, or 19, was it
1: 1923?
0: In 1883. Uh, Yeah.
1: 1883. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what kickstarted this because, um, When 1883 came out, the cinematography was amazing. I mean, I was just Mm -hmm. blown away by it, right? And online, I have a friend who um, was associated with the show and I actually got photos of, (laughs) I got pictures of her standing next to Sam Elliott and she was the outfitter for him. And uh, so anyway, we ended up, uh, I got my sketch pad out, and I sat in front of eighteen eighty three every time, every week, and yeah. I would sketch, oh, okay. and that's where I got some of the the, the young woman on the horseback
0: yeah. uh, from there.
1: And then I so I did a lot of Western stuff. I started uh, the old John Wayne movies and a lot of the old westerns mm-hmm. at that time, and that's where I'd get some sketching, watch them and do some uh, drawings, and of course, you know, play around with watercolors at that time just. Like you see, the pen and ink and add a little color to fill in the yeah. backgrounds and stuff. Okay, that yeah. was my very first experience with watercolors.
0: Oh um,
1: okay. Until but anyway. Uh, so then uh coming out of COVID, I got invited to the first Western reenactment. And then from there, that's where everything's come forward. And I've tried to be as prolific as I can in producing this art. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's how it all started for me was. You know, just big old watercolor sketch pad and wow. of, sitting cross-legged on a couch in front of a TV.
0: And those those shows are good. <laughs> they're really yeah. good. And I mean it it really the characters really represent kind of what you were talking about. Like the women are so they're just as much in the middle of the chaos as the men are. Yeah. And you have to be actively doing something in order just to survive. You know?
1: One of the one of the big pieces I have coming up is a uh, a father, a mother, and the two daughters uh, shooting out from the covered wagon. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's well, let me back this up. The father's not. The father, unfortunately, has met a tragic end in his journey west. And so the mother and the two daughters are defending. Yeah. That, you know, and uh, I just that one we set up because I'm like, I really need I need the action and everything involved in this piece, you know, to yeah. to show that hey, when when the dad wasn't there, it was mom and the kids that you know had to fend for themselves. Sure, sure. And so that's that's a that's going to be a like probably a three foot by four foot piece when I get it done. Wow. Um, but I, I'm looking forward and that one's going to be an oil, uh, very much the, the detail, the, the smoke coming off.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, the, every, yeah, yeah. That's, that's going that's to be
0: the good stuff right there. I got to tell you
1: that's, yeah. That, that. that's because when I do a show, I try and have a centerpiece. I try one centerpiece big centerpiece, so that and I've always said this when i I've hung in I've had uh, for now forty one solo shows in my career. Wow. I've been a part of over sixty group shows, yeah and uh i'm I under when i when you hang a gallery show, you have to have that one big piece mm-hmm. that people walk in and catches our attention immediately
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, because I always said that's that's what makes everybody want to see everything else. You know, so, and I think that's going to be my next big showpiece is the, the covered wagon fight scene. Yeah, you know, close that would be right. a
0: good one, I think. <laughs> that, I mean, just you know, you're describing yeah. it is very interesting. So, I mean, seeing it actually done with all the detail and everything would be amazing. I imagine
1: getting the fear in the eyes is the big one. That, oh,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: you know, to to catch. So look at it. They they think this young girl. I think she was probably nine or ten in the photo. You know, so they feel her fear.
0: Yeah. And
1: we're not. It won't show. And it won't show what they're defending against because that's part of that. You're supposed to guess what they're defending against. You know, that's that's the viewer's input into the painting.
0: I got you. Yeah. They kind of finish the story. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're doing, like, like a show, and you're saying you have this big, you know, like, the main star mm-hmm. of the show, right, the big no. one, are you, when you're preparing for the show, are you planning out, like, a story that goes through this? Or are the pieces the same mediums and the same kind of, you no, know,
1: uh, for me, a show setup is highs and lows.
0: Okay. So
1: I will have, so from I have the big centerpiece, and then you'll have a couple little smaller pieces, and then you'll have an, a couple big, more focal pieces as you're mm-hmm. going around the gallery. And I try and I try and tell a story, but I also try and get people to, you know, small piece, you know, not real important, not real important then a bigger piece that makes you pause and go oh wow okay take it in a little bit and then a couple smaller pieces like kind of like that breath Mm -hmm. between the next big piece as I want I I don't want somebody to just walk through I want it like breathing so you know you take a breath on these two or three pieces and then now suddenly there's this big you know inhale oh wow and then you know you you take that and then go down the line a little bit and again you know it's big inhale this nice big piece and then you do that all the way around yeah um and for me the main focus is to have everybody at least find one piece that tomorrow morning you know they're gonna be having a conversation and go hey i saw this painting and and it comes to mind again
0: yeah and
1: that's That's my show strategy when I put things together is I want ups and downs and highs and lows as they go around. Mm-hmm. So in, instead of just it's kind of boring just to go hang a bunch of paintings on the wall.
0: Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a, I mean that's just that's fascinating because I've I've never actually asked anybody that question before. And um I was planning out a show. And that's how I was thinking about it was like how people would walk through it, you know? And the idea of putting smaller pieces between larger pieces makes sense to me. But now your your smaller pieces, are they leading up to the larger piece? Like they have something to do with it or
1: <laughs> well that's that's a that's a you thing. Uh I mean that's an individual artist thing. Yeah. It's for me like the 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 young lady with her boyfriend, husband or whatever on the ground.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, you, you hang that before you hang Billy the kid. Because uh-huh. then it's like, what, you know, what is she doing? And then, oh, you know, now it's 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 a lead up to it so you understand that now you know there's billy the kid standing over somebody and now you understand who billy was standing over and what was going on and and things like that
0: yeah
1: so it's it is kind of um to tell a story but it's i think it's more the two little ones or you know whatever you have before are kind of setting up the next one or (laughs) turning the page it's a different chapter that would be the best way to describe it
0: like, oh. you know, like
1: you're changing, you're turning the pages in a book. Uh, you know, it's like how we've all read, you, know, you you have your books where you read and you've got these lulls in there where you're like, ah, this is kind of boring. <laughs> yeah. And then you get to the action scene, right? Like, oh, okay. Now I'm interested. In that. There's your right example.
0: Like, yeah. okay, the trees are like this and the, you know, all right, get on with it. <laughs> yeah.
1: There's your small paintings.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Uh, um, so, I've really enjoyed talking to you, and I've picked your brain a little bit.
1: I'm having a blast. It was fun. It is.
0: But where can we find your work? How can people look at your work and get in touch with you about it?
1: horncrow.com. That's T-O-R-N-C-R-O-W.
0: All right. That's awesome.
1: That's my old studio name, and I I left it behind years ago, and then I was on GoDaddy one day, and I typed it in, and there it was. It was never available until recently, and I went, mine, (laughs) click.
0: Yeah, I like it. That's a really good name. I like that a lot.
1: Yeah, it's my son's name, uh, Torin Crow. Is his oh. name. Oh, uh, His middle name's actually from a story, an old Sioux story that I was told, where, real quick, the, the crow used to be the most colorful bird in the world, in legend.
0: Okay. And
1: there was a young boy sitting on a cliff, and he was crying because he wanted to be an artist. And the crow heard him cry, so the crow flew down and gave the boy his color in magic paintbrushes, which wow. is why the crow's black. So when my son came along, his name was Torrin Crow. Ingham.
0: Wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a great story. Oh, thank my. You. I love that. Well, it's been amazing talking to you. I am <laughs> very confident that lots of people will learn lots of things.
1: So <laughs> I, I'm just glad. It it's a real pleasure to be invited on, on your podcast. And I thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Art Talk with April. For more information on this episode, join the Facebook group, The Art Lounge. Please subscribe and share. See you next Tuesday. Hope you have a great week.